and you're listening to the Norse Up Podcast, a production for NKU by NKU, highlighting the expertise of our university's faculty and staff. Joining me as usual is my co-host Clayton Castle. Today, we're chatting with Dr. Joe Cobbs about his No Rivalry Project, which quantifies the intensity and balance of rivalries between college and professional sports teams. Dr. Cobbs is a professor at NKU's Hale College of Business, specializing in marketing and sports management. He formed the No Rivalry Project in 2012 with Dr. David Tyler of the University of Massachusetts Amherst. A new documentary about the long-running rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan's football program, titled Rivals, was released in November 2022 and is largely based on their research, and it also features Dr. Joe Cobbs. Dr. Cobbs, thank you, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's just start off with the history of the No Rivalry Project. Um, how did you and Dr. Tyler come up with the idea for the No Rivalry Project? Yeah, it's um, it started when we were PhD students. So um, as you mentioned, Dr. Tyler is back at University of Massachusetts as a faculty member now, but that's where we both got our PhDs. And so we were working on a seminar paper, a sports marketing paper. Um, and David was looking for a definition of rivalry from the research literature. And surprisingly, you know, as popular as the topic is in sort of mainstream uh, media, uh, there wasn't really an accepted definition in the literature. And so that led us to start talking about it. And both of us had worked in, in athletics uh, as practitioners, as professionals before pursuing the PhD. And so we had some background, um, you know, in that area. And that sort of planted the seed in our minds of this could be a future research stream. That was probably 2008, 2009, you know, and then a few years later, um, we, we started doing some interviews um, and collecting some um, uh, qualitative data uh, from fans. And then we used that to build the survey. Um, that's the basis of the No Rivalry Project now. And according to the website, there are a few different elements that can make up a rivalry. Uh, they can meet these specific conditions, they can have strong similarities, or they can be deeply different. So what are some of the different ways that rivalries form? Yeah, I think the best way to think about it is like a recipe, you know, and you've got all of these different ingredients that go into a recipe. And depending on on the mixture of those ingredients, um, the outcome can be a little bit different, you know, and and that's how we think about these ingredients to rivalry. And as you mentioned, Jude, like we use sort of three categories to to group the 10 ingredients that we found in our research. Um, conflict conditions is sort of the most um maybe salient to most people or top of mind to most people. So that can be the competitiveness, how competitive are the two opponents uh, over a period of time. Um, frequency of play or consistency of play, as we call it, um, is, is another one in conflict conditions. You know, the more consistent that you meet an opponent over time, um, then the more likely that the perception of rivalry develops. Um, and then characters, conspicuous characters and conspicuous moments are the other two ingredients in that particular category. So you have sort of these superstars, these larger than life characters in the rivalry. Sometimes it's players, sometimes it's coaches, um, sometimes it's, you know, managers. Yeah, like I'm thinking with a 
University of Kentucky and Duke in basketball. You've got a Christian Leitner type character. <laughs> that's a great example. And, you know, in a lot of these situations, and, and that's a good example of the situation, you have a real conspicuous character. And by conspicuous, we just mean like memorable, you know, it right. sticks in your mind, but that character is also tied to a moment, you know? And so that's why we have both ingredients, but but in the same category, because these ingredients, a lot of times there there's a correlation between them. You know, the more consistently you play an opponent, the more likely that they're are to be conspicuous moments that come up uh, over time. So there's a correlation between those elements as well. But you're right. Definitely there's a lot of times there's a moment that sticks in fans' minds and that typically involves one or more sort of characters too that contribute to the rivalry. How do you collect the data for, for the No Rivalry Project? Obviously there are a lot of data points that you need to take into account to determine what a team's particular rival is. Um, how do you collect that data? Yeah, so we now um, we use the website as sort of our, our basis of data collection. And it's the survey is if you go to the website, it's knowrivalry.com. And you'll see real prominent there, take the survey, which we always encourage people to do before they start looking at the data, right? Because once you start looking at the data, then your response is potentially influenced by other people's previous responses. But getting back to your question, Clayton, um, that's the, the primary. Uh, that's where the primary data comes from most of what we use. And then sometimes we'll match that with secondary data. Um, so it could be demand for certain games as measured by attendance or ticket prices, you know. And so when we're publishing, you know, academic papers, we're looking to take our primary data collection from the survey and then also sometimes some interview data that we might have uh, if we're digging into a particularly particular particular rivalry in depth. Um, and we're sometimes pairing that then with secondary data from another source. Um, but what we've done over time um, in developing the website and the survey is we started with college football and then we expanded it into professional sports in North America. And, and then just last year, we relaunched the survey um, that also includes uh almost 40 foreign leagues. So you can go to the website right now and take the survey for English Premier League soccer. You can take it for French football. You can take it for German women's football. You can take it for Australian rules football. So um, that's sort of the next phase or the most recent phase. And we haven't started to clean or analyze that data yet, but we're really looking forward to taking what's been up to this point, a pretty domestic or North American project, mostly America and Canada, um, and adding more regions uh, to it. And are there any particular findings within this data set that particularly surprised you? Yeah, you know, we we really take the perspective of, uh, or we really take the fans' perspective. And so while we define rivalry in our academic papers, we don't define it for the fan. We leave it up to the fan to decide sort of who's a rival, um, and when you go, going back to the previous question, and then I'll catch up with you there, The when you take the survey, the first thing that it'll ask you is what league do you want to take it for? And then what's your favorite team in that league? And then you have 100 rivalry points that you can allocate to any opponent uh, that you want. So you can give all 100 points to a single opponent uh, of your favorite team, or you can divide those points up. And getting to your question about you know something surprising, um, well, maybe it's not as surprising as interesting, but what I find really interesting and fascinating is fans' memories for 
the length of their memories for the narrative around their favorite team's rivalry. So before I was describing the rivalry as sort of a, a uh, the ingredients that go into sort of baking a cake or baking a rivalry, essentially. And those ingredients formulate a narrative around a certain two teams, you know, or two individuals that have this rivalry. Well, fans will remember, you know, specific moments and specific players from 15, 20 years ago. You know, when you look at the Reds or Reds data, a lot of the older fans. Um, so uh, I'm in my mid 40s. Fans that are older than me of the Reds, a lot of them will mention the Dodgers and give the Dodgers a significant amount of points. And they'll talk about the big red machine and, and how the Dodgers were kind of the big threat. Threat is a big part of rivalry or the perception of rivalry. But fans that are younger than me, like some of you know, my students in class, for example, like they don't think about the Dodgers as being a rival of the Reds at all. Um, and so there's an age component to this narrative of the rivalry, um, which I find pretty fascinating. But then also the fact that people will remember these specific incidences. Right. And Christian Leitner's shot, you know, against Kentucky <laughs> is one of those that even even my students, you know, who, yeah. who weren't old enough to remember that live, or maybe weren't even born, some of them, um, they still know about it, right? And they know a lot of detail about it, especially the ones that are Kentucky or Duke fans, right. of course. Why research rivalries? Are there even you know benefits outside of a sports context? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, first, I'll talk about, you know, one of the reasons that we research, two reasons that we research it in sports, and then I'll relate it to kind of outside of that context. In sports, you know, we have our sports business program here at NKU, and rivalry is a good business opportunity if it's authentic, you know, um, if you're able to promote an, a rivalry that fans really buy into with that authenticity, um, then you can make money on merchandise, TV ratings, ticket sales, things like that. Um, and, and being in the Hale College of Business, that's something that we're interested in teaching our students, right? Um, and on the flip side of that, rivalry can go too far, though, right? So you can have this antisocial nature to it um, where, you know, fans get in fights or there's discrimination within the rivalry, which is part of what we measure in our survey is um, – individuals' discrimination toward rival fans um, or prejudice toward rival fans. And so I think that's important to sort of try and measure that and have some idea as to how to moderate that, but keeping the good aspect of it. And then when you get outside of the context of sports, we're hoping to at some point expand our own research outside of sports. Um, there's some German professors that we're, that we're friends with and really admire their work. And, and we talk at conferences occasionally, and they've taken it into cell phones, some of our work, and does some study on Android versus, or Samsung versus Apple. And I think that um, the same benefits in sports to study in rivalry can also extend beyond sports to creating more loyal customers by having an outgroup, and then also um, making sure that it doesn't get so strong that there's antisocial elements, you know, that we don't want to see. So before we talk about the documentary, a lot of these elements and are discussed in your sports rivalries class. That's right. Can you talk a little bit more about that class? It seems like an interesting class. I wish I had known about that class when I was a student here. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that class? Sure. So it's Sports Business 200, and um, it's a gen ed class or a foundations of knowledge class here at, at NKU in the cultural pluralism category. And the reason that it's in that category is because we essentially travel around the world, go to different regions in the world virtually, um, and talk about what are the most popular sports 
in that region and how is sports a part of that culture in that region? And then we talk about what's some of the biggest rivalries within that sport or within that region and what's the basis of those rivalries. And a lot of times the basis of those rivalries is not really sports. It's something political or it's something cultural or economic. Um, And so the class is definitely has a sports, you know, tone to it. It is a sports business class, but at the same time, it's a lot of social psychology because to understand rivalry, you really have to understand sort of the social psychology of being a fan or being just a consumer of a certain product where that product becomes part of your identity. And so that's what we do in the class is sort of travel around the world and talk about different parts and then the parts of the world. And then the last month of the class, we sort of come back to North America and talk about our own sports here and how their efforts um, have intensified to try and build their brands outside of the United States. You know, the NFL trying to go to Europe and the NBA has been probably the most successful of our professional uh, sport, major league professional sports of expanding overseas. And we talk about how that happened and how rivalries could play a role in that. As Clayton briefly mentioned before, um, this November, a new documentary titled Rivals uh, recently came out that was partially or largely based on your own research. And the documentary centers on the rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan's football programs. Uh, How did you initially become a part of this documentary or when did you become aware of it? Yeah, so... What really um, sparked it was just an email that came to myself and and David Tyler at University of Massachusetts in this production studio um, in California that had been commissioned by um, Bally Sports to create this documentary. They had started to think about how we're going to tell this story in a unique way, and they really wanted to take like a social science approach to it. Um, and so they found our research online. You know, they were looking at academic papers, people that had published research on rivalry, and came across our No Rivalry project and reached out to us and said, "Hey, can we do you know a video call?" And we were like, "Sure, you know, it sounds neat." Um, and we started to talk to them about what they were trying to do, and they were you know interested in our research and what we did. And over the course of maybe three or four calls, you know, they, they said, we think we're going to use your ingredients as the basis of the whole documentary. Like, how do you feel about that? You know, we're like, great. You know, they were like, we're going to come to Highland Heights and record your class if, if that's okay, you know, and then we want to do an interview with you. And, and they did the same thing at Amherst at the University of Massachusetts, um, where Dr. Tyler is. Um, so it really started just, just from them sort of finding our work, uh, online and then, and then just discussions over time. So it was exciting. And, and I was happy that the students got to be a part of it, you know, and the film crew was here um, and, and they were willing to, you know, have a film crew walking around during class and, and things like that. And so that was that was fun. And so what is it that makes the rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan so intense? What are the key ingredients that make this particular rivalry? I was fortunate to be on SportsCenter on ESPN um, right before the Ohio State-Michigan game and um, where they promoted the class, you know, they were like, this NKU has this rivalry class, you know, and here's the professor. And they asked me, you know, what rivalry is, is, would you say, in another sport is similar to Ohio State-Michigan? And I actually said Yankees-Red Sox. And getting to your question, um, what makes those two rivalries similar in my mind and in our work is there's not very many rivalries that have sort of pretty much all 10 ingredients. You know, most rivalries, you know, might have six or seven or eight, but these two rivalries, I mean, all 10 are there. 
Um, and when you think about the ones that are maybe most prominent, you know, I think about the competitiveness of the rivalry, you know, um, yes, there are stretches where one team might win for even 10 to 12 years, but then the other team comes right back and wins, you know, nine out of the next 12, you know? And so that competitiveness over a hundred years, I think really, uh, is one of the factors. Another one is the conspicuous characters in this rivalry, you know, the a big part of the documentary focuses on Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler, and rightly so. I mean, it, it's such a big part of the narrative, um, or how those two coaches are connected to each other. You know, we're on the same coaching staff, and Woody actually coached Bo um, at Miami University, where where um, Bo Schembechler was a player. Uh, and so you had those those connections. And so that narrative and then that along with the conspicuous moments of the 10 year war that they had that where the two of them were coaching either side and it was so competitive and the teams came in in the top five almost every year, at least top 10. Um, and then now into the recent rivalry, right, where you've got John Harbaugh, like Mr. Michigan, you know, kind of coaching that side. But yet Ohio State's been dominant, you know, and up until the last two years, which is. You know, I, I went to Ohio State for my master's. I worked in the athletic department. So, you know, I can't be objective really as a fan in this rivalry, although I try to be as a researcher. Um, so, of course, I'm rooting for Ohio State. But but Michigan winning probably helped the rivalry, um, you know, the last couple of years just to bring some of the competitiveness back, especially for the younger fans that might not remember the 90s when Michigan really dominated. Over the last what, week or no, last couple of days, the college football playoff, yeah. the final four of the top four were announced, and both Ohio State and Michigan are in it. And I believe Michigan is the two seed, Ohio State is the four seed. So they would face, if they both won, they would face in the national championship game for college football. What, what does that kind of scenario facing in a national championship game do for a rivalry? We rarely see rivalries of this magnitude well, in general, but even more so in a championship game. You know, I know we talked right before um, that Kentucky-Louisville uh, basketball faced in the Final Four a few years ago. What would this kind of scenario do for the rivalry? Yeah, I mean, I really think that, uh, you know, obviously it would it would explode it on a— I mean, that's already a national rivalry, right? But, but people watch the national championship game that don't watch any other college football during the year. And so— I think it would really bring that narrative to the forefront of, wow, like this rivalry has sort of gotten to the apex of college football. You know, a few years ago, I think LSU played Alabama and then Alabama played uh, Georgia last year, was it? Um, and so you, you had two teams from the same conference playing each other that are somewhat rivals. But, you know, Alabama-Auburn is really the big rival rivalry there. And so those matchups were a little bit different than if we saw Ohio State Michigan, which is unquestionably, you know, the biggest rivalry in the Big Ten, play each other in the national championship game would be would be pretty amazing. It'll take a big upset by Ohio State right. over Georgia for that to happen. Um, but it would be it would be pretty amazing. And I'd love to see it for the for NKU's sake and, and the sake of the rivalry documentary, because I'm sure it would get played <laughs> a lot more um, if it did happen. So before we let you go, let's do like a quick run through of what area's team's biggest rivals are. Um, I don't know how much research you have done. I know you focus on professional teams and big schools, but let's start here at NKU. Yeah. What is, you know, I feel like when I started as a freshman at NKU in 2011, the biggest rival was Bellarmine. Like it was always, I remember we're having a Bellarmine hate week. I remember that. Of the Bellarmine basketball game. Then we left the um, Division Two to go to Division One. 
And then it became Florida Gulf Coast. We hated Florida Gulf Coast. They became Dunk City. We always wanted to beat them. And then we leave the ASUN. Now, I, um, I feel like the general consensus is our biggest rival is Wright State. Mm-hmm. So what are you seeing in terms of the rivalries of Northern Kentucky University? Yeah, you know, this is one of the areas, and this is the example that I use in class a lot throughout the class, is where, you know, in the, in the case of our university, those transitions that you just described so well, it's not completely obvious who the rival is, right? So understanding sort of how fans view rivalry and these these ingredients can hopefully help us as a university um, and the athletic department as well to to look for these elements as they develop organically. And I think that your your um, uh, mention of right state is is spot on when you think about the ingredients. You know, we've had several conspicuous moments, you know, big games against right state where um, in a couple of those games, NKU hit a shot at the buzzer, you know, to win the Horizon League tournament or to win the last regular season game in a couple games like last year's tournament, you know. Well, we, we missed a shot, but they had made a shot right before the buzzer, you know, to, to take the lead in the championship game. And I think uh, also in volleyball this year, actually, we saw two, you know, the two teams kind of go back and forth and sort of dominate the league. Um, and so I think there's that competitiveness as one ingredient. Um, and, and we've got those conspicuous moments already as another ingredient. And then if you look at the other sort of two buckets, the one that really applies, I think, is strong similarity. When you look at the age of the universities uh, and their institution and in terms of the size, sort of being in the outskirts of a metropolitan area, um, there's so many similarities. Uh, and of course, we have spatial proximity too, meaning we're, we're relatively close to them, closer than any of the other conference schools. I think Wright State, you know, makes a lot of sense. Um, and we do, although it's not up on the website, we do have college basketball data. Um, it's just not we don't put the data up on the website until we have a certain number of teams, you know, within that league. And college basketball at the Division One level has like 300 and some teams. So we're still in the always in the process of kind of data collection. But maybe we could put up certain conferences, you know, like the Horizon League when we have enough data for that uh, for that conference would be great. to. See. I would like to see it up. Yeah. Um, let's talk real quick about our professional football team here in town, the Cincinnati Bengals. I think, you know, recently I feel as though... Pittsburgh Steelers are the most hated rivalry. We had Vontez Burfick before between Antonio Brown. There are a lot, of, like you said earlier, big personalities as a part of this rivalry. Now all of a sudden, there's this talk about Kansas City being our biggest rival. Uh, the Mahomes Burrow being the next uh, Manning Brady. So, what is your take, your analysis on who the biggest rival is for the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, if you go, you know, if you go to the website, you'll see that. Bengals fans, you know, give uh, over 60 of their 100 points to the Steelers, right? Which is no surprise. But the Steelers don't really reciprocate. Now, an important caveat here, and this is what you're bringing up, is the data that we have on the website is the data that's already been cleaned. It's already, you know, we've already made sure that it's good data and stuff. So there's no data from the last year up on the website um, because we haven't yet cleaned that data and, and gotten it into the program to be up on the website. I would suspect that with the Bengals rise and Super Bowl run last year that we would see that reciprocated a little bit more from Steelers fans, you know. We look at it as or previous to last year, it was a little bit of a lopsided rivalry. Like the Steelers would choose the Ravens, you know, um, according to our data, Steelers fans would allocate more uh, to the Ravens. You also don't see Kansas City if you go to the Bengals page on our website. But again, that's because this is such a young rivalry. But I think that some of the ingredients are there, as you said. 
I think that game just, um, well, as we're recording this just last week, yeah, um, was also another defining moment because it was so competitive and you could tell how each team, you know, it was a regular season game, but it really didn't feel like a regular season game the way that the teams were playing and the atmosphere uh, in Paul Brown Stadium, you know, made it feel like a playoff game. And of course, you got the the star power there uh, as well and the competitiveness, you know, every time that they've played. So I think you're right. I think there is some potential there. What will be interesting to see is like for that Brady Manning rivalry to develop in that Patriots Colts rivalry that happened. You know, they're not in the same division either, same conference, but not the same division, similar to, to Bengals Chiefs. You got to have enough sort of consistency of play, you know, over years for it to really last. And that one lasted, you know, almost a decade. Um, and so it was pretty prominent uh, over a long period of time as, as football goes. You know, an example of where that didn't real it happened, but was just a short period is if you look at the NBA and the Cavs Warriors, you know, that was super intense. But for like four or five years, you know, once it became obvious that the cat, you know, LeBron left again and the Cavs weren't going to be as competitive, that rivalry just sort of fell off the map. And so I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if Burrow stays with the Bengals, which, of course, locally, we all hope he does. And Mahomes stays with the Chiefs and both those teams, you know, remain competitive then. Uh, given how young those players are and the other young players on those two teams, I think it could be a big rivalry in the future. So in the case of the Reds, we also have another rivalry that's a bit lopsided. Um, A lot of Reds fans consider the Cardinals their biggest rival, whereas the Cardinals see the Reds as sort of a rival, but they're much more concerned with the Cubs. So what makes a sort of lopsided rivalry like this? Yeah, I think that gets back to the point of like threat, you know, and unfortunately for those of us that are Reds fans, the (laughs) Reds just haven't been enough of a threat recently um, for the Cardinals fans to sort of reciprocate in that rivalry. But for for us Reds fans, um, the Cardinals are a big threat in the division um, and in the league uh, because the Cardinals have been really competitive. Um, And but the Cardinals fans look at the Cubs, you know, as being... um, at least over the last, you know, six, seven years um, where the Cubs have been in a couple World Series as being sort of that that team that's competitive. Now, that's not the only ingredient, right? You've also got a regional uh, uh, element to it, ingredient to it, um, which is why you have, you know, Cardinals fans allocating some points to the Reds. Um, but the Reds really, you're right, they focus on the Cardinals. And it's sort of, I feel like it leaves us here as Cincinnati sports fans in Metro Cincinnati feeling a little bit like the little brother, you know, like the Steelers <laughs> don't fully reciprocate the Bengals, which is starting to change. You know, the Cardinals fans don't fully reciprocate, yeah. you know, the Reds fans rival rivalry, but hopefully, you know, we'll see that change. Dr. Cobbs, this has been fun. Thank you again for joining us. As, as we mentioned, you can catch Dr. Cobbs on the Rivals documentary. Is there a showing schedule people can find, or is it just on where it is? Yeah, the website for the documentary is rivalsdocuseries.com, where you can type in your zip code, and they'll tell you when the next showing is going to be and on what stations. Awesome. Here locally in the greater Cincinnati area, it's primarily been on Valley Sports Ohio and on Star 64. Um, there's sometimes it's on the tennis channel as well. So there are multiple places you should be able to find it. This is again, this has been Dr. Joe Cobbs from the Hale College of Business and the No Rivalry Project. Thank you again for tuning in to the Norse Up podcast. 
You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If we're not where you get your podcasts, let us know and we will get on there. And again, follow us on social media, on the NKU Magazine social media. Thank you again to everyone who has listened, who have tuned in, who have spread the word about the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, And we will talk to you again next week. And as always, Norse up. Norse up. Thank you. Thank you.